Welcome to the OpStars podcast, where we talk to revenue operations pros at the top of their game so that we can collectively support each other through the sharing of ideas, learning best practices, and discovering innovative new strategies. I'm your host, Don Opfos. We're getting excited about OpStars 2023, so we thought it would be fun to revisit some of last year's sessions before we head to the San Francisco Mint to do it again this year. Enjoy. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, today at OpStars. I know it's like it's the afternoon of the second day and everyone starts to peter out. Uh, so we're really glad you're here. Uh, we're up, my panel is on the how and it's the how and what of RevOps, right? The what and how of revenue operations. Uh, my name is Don Opvos. I'm the VP of Alliances and Partnerships at Lean Data. However, uh, prior to my doing this role, I started about a month and a half ago. Uh, I actually led the RevOps team at Lean Data, um, and I've been in RevOps roles for over 10 years now, from Yammer uh, to uh, App Annie uh, to SalesLoft, I, where I was a uh, led the consulting team, and and now at Lean Data. Uh, so a lot of the the nuts and bolts of of revenue operations is something that's a it's really a big passion of mine, and I'm really glad to have uh, this panel uh, here today, uh, uh, Dana Therian. Uh, and you're at Anna Plan. Anna Plan. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Kristen um, Hersant. Hersant at, at Groove. And uh, Scott Logan. Logan at Chronologic. So I'll let everybody introduce ourselves and, and we'll jump into the panel and we'll talk about uh, some really good nuts and bolts things that we hope you can take away uh, to kind of learn from us and what we've seen in, in revenue operations. All right. So uh, my name is Dana Tarian, as, as you mentioned. Uh, I work for Anaplan. Uh, I'm the VP of their CRO practice, which just means that I'm a career sales and revenue operations professional. I've supported CROs and CSOs for most of my career. And today at Anaplan, I support our largest accounts, trying to understand what some of their needs are and translating those into how Anaplan can help with that solution. I also help to lead the product strategy for the company because I've got all that experience. And I started to really get involved with revenue operations when I was a uh, a practice leader at Serious Decisions and Forrester doing research on the topic. Uh, in 2016, there were, I think, uh, 400 people that called themselves chief revenue officers in LinkedIn, and today there's 245,000. And I was the guy that was publishing all that stuff at the time. And my name is Kristen Ersan. I'm the VP of Marketing for Groove. We are a leading sales engagement platform for enterprises that use Salesforce. And we are also built on Salesforce, which means we are the best for any company that uses Salesforce. Um, I am what I like to call a startup CMO. I have worked in B2B startup marketing for over 25 years. And throughout my career, sales marketing alignment has been key to the success of all of my companies. So this is a topic that I'm very passionate about and I'm very excited to be here. Uh, Scott Logan, the VP of marketing at Chronologic. And what we do is we basically make a sales cycle on the top of the funnel much shorter with much less friction, getting meetings on the calendars for reps to eliminate that busy work. Uh, what I have done in my career is being part of the first marketing ops team when I went from a full cycle rep at Optum when they didn't even know it was called marketing ops, they just called it marketing development. And then uh, our campaigns weren't followed up with by AEs, so they said, how about we just hook you on an Avaya switch and you can take the calls too. And so through being an SDR and a marketing ops person for four years, I was like, I'd rather run the campaigns than do this. So been demand gen ever since. 
Excellent. So uh, I think when we when we talked about uh, putting this panel together, one of the things we wanted to lay was kind of the groundwork of what we believe uh, revenue operations to be as a function. Because I think uh, historically, uh, you know, it used to be called sales operations because it lived under sales as a silo. And then there was marketing and then there was customer success and there were other parts of, of the organization that maybe had their own operations team, but it wasn't really under uh, an umbrella of, of an organization. And we really, I think we all agree that the, 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 the vision of revenue operations is that it, it owns that customer journey from the moment somebody enters the funnel as a marketing lead. And as it runs through marketing operations, hands off to SDR, hands off to AE, hands off to implementations, to customer success, to, to renewals, uh, to even like where support might be involved, that really all that all the operations pieces lives under revenue operations. And we really own that, that customer journey from end to end. Uh, and we want to make sure that that's the most amazing experience that somebody has as they're going through the process of buying your product. And so I think the first, what, what I think Kristen brought up when we talked about this was the idea of there's really three things that we really wanted to, to hit on, and that is the people, the process, and the technology of what you need to do to make that work. Uh, so if we talk, if we talk the front end, you know, we talk about the people, uh, we really want to break those silos down. And so what are some of the ways that, that you all have seen uh, in your organizations you've worked with where you've able to align all the people uh, under that revenue operations umbrella. Can I take that one? Yeah. What's that? Can I take that? Oh one? yeah, yeah. When I when I first started to do research on this and publish it for Serious Decisions, Serious Decisions was largely a company that was built on marketing research. So there was a predominantly marketing people inside of the company. And I was the sales operations guy saying, there's going to be a consolidation of these operations functions between sales, marketing, customer success for all those reasons that you just mentioned. To me, it was just a logical thing to happen, right? Because yeah. we had not redundancies, but there was ways that we could cooperate with one another. And I started talking about the organizational design of that. And I was, I, it was heresy. Like I, the, the person who was supposed to present with me at our big 3,500 person conference backed out of it. She was from marketing and just, couldn't deal with it, oh, right? Wow. And you know, okay, I'm a former military guy. So I'm like, oh, we just got to change the organization. What's the big deal? Um, so I learned a lot during that process because it is a sensitive topic inside of some companies because you've got these silos that have been built for a very long period of time. For a new company, it's not a big deal. Let's just have our revenue operations function and not create all these redundancies. But for these long legacy companies, you're starting to talk about crushing empires yeah, that have exactly. created. So uh, I worked with a guy named Kerry Cunningham and Kerry and I had conversations about, well, how, how can we resolve this? And he said, well, there's, there's an organizational change that you could make where everybody reports into that group, as you had mentioned, or you could create a coalition of the willing and you could have marketing operations and customer success operations and sales operations working together in unison towards achieving common objectives. And I see that more in larger companies that are a little bit reluctant to make those organizational changes for whatever reason. So I would say, yeah, you can have an organizational change where they all report up underneath a single leader, but the coalition of the willing is a little bit more common. It's almost like a tiger team. Like a tiger team. And the, the best way to do that is to come up with a common objective. I did this at my last company and said, well, what, what's something that we could work on that would commonly benefit all of us? And it, it really bonded us as a, as a team. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say is, well, where should it report? Should it report into the CRO? Uh, more and more, I'm starting to become a fan of it reporting into the COO of the company because I'm, you know, I'm a life, uh, 20, 20 some odd years in sales operations, but I've seen CROs start to act a little bit badly by having that much power. Like it's the it's, revenue operations is the sales deep state. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
if you control that and all that intelligence and all that information, you can, you can start to do some nefarious things. And so you could talk days about it. Yeah. I think, I think Christian and I, when we, we, again, when we were prepping for the call, we were talking about some of the politics and the land and it's almost like a land grab, right? Like if it falls under sales and it's revenue operations and someone's trying to grab somebody out of marketing to run, you know, to run operations, it's like, well, no, this is my employee. And it's like, no, we want to, you know, you try to explain them the strategic reason why you want them under them, but like you were, you were sharing some stories along those lines. Yeah, politics are no joke. Um, there's politics, and then there's the speed at which you can move. Um, because what I've also seen sometimes is when you create the RevOps function and you pull, um, like I don't know, maybe it's understaffed, and there's like a couple people in RevOps, but everything has to go through RevOps as a central function. It creates a bottleneck. Um, then people get frustrated because they can't move quickly enough, and then it becomes political, and that's so... First, it has to be appropriately staffed. Um, And with the politics, I think the best way to tackle that is to align everyone on a common strategy before the operations function is created so that everyone is clear why it exists, and there's, like, a mission that they're all operating against. Um, Because if you just... If, if the leaders of each function, sales, marketing, and CS, all have different visions of what they need and it's not aligned, then it just, it not only does it create the bottleneck for RevOps, but it's, um, uh, like, they're just having to figure everything out and, like, constantly reassess a plan. They're, like, building the plane as they're flying it. It's almost like RevOps ends up having to build the report three times. Right. Because marketing wants to see right. one thing, sales wants to see one thing, CS wants to see something else. Yeah. Yeah. So that 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 ends up being uh, something that's not fun from a RevOps from, from a RevOps perspective. But and it's on the alignment piece, it's not really cliche. It's like something that takes a little bit of work. So who in here uh, meets with the sales or marketing team from the ops side, like in a meeting, in a planning meeting, weekly, monthly? A few? Okay, good. A lot amount. How many plan with them are in each other's planning meetings when you're building things up from the idea? One, two, three, four. We okay, less. Maybe a third of that first group. You have to start with the planning. So something that one of my mentors uh, had us do is she said, you have to spend 50% of your time from the demand gen side with the SDRs. Be in their bullpen. In fact, my teams, when I took a leadership role, I built the demand gen team in the SDR bullpen. We were there with them. And that kind of alignment is really what allows that process to start from the beginning, not just like, oh, we sync together and then we built projects siloed, which is where you get the three report thing. Ops should now take that approach as well and do that planning with the sales ops and the marketing ops, and then even sit in on those demand gen planning campaigns and the sales planning campaigns so they can see why they're building what they're building because they're going to see efficiencies that the sales reps didn't even know existed. Yeah, I know it's, 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 um, you know, I think, I think coming in on it, you want to have everyone aligned as to what the source of truth is for the data that you're looking at. Cause that's the other thing I found too in organizations that I've been in where, you know, uh, some, a C-level executive will go into a, to a board meeting with one set of slides with one set of numbers and someone else goes in with another set of numbers and it's like, well, why are these numbers different? You have board members questioning you of like, why are the numbers different? And it's like, well, CS is doing their own thing and they're not, you know, they're looking at this number this way and sales looks at it this way. So I think like one of the, one of the things that I've always tried to do is like, okay, look, this is the number we're looking at. This is the number we're going to measure everything by so that you don't have to write the reports three times. Yeah, on the, on the, I want to talk about planning for a second because I work for yeah, because yeah. I, I work for Anna Plan. But, <laughs> uh, um, no, but I think 
in, in, the, in the old days, you know, in the old days are 20 years ago now, so they're not that old, but the sales operations person used to go in a conference room with somebody from finance and marketing had their face pressed against the glass and what's going on in there. <laughs> totally. Right. And there was, the marketing did not have a seat at the table. Right. And I think SaaS has probably driven the need for marketing to be so much more involved in the planning function. At the oh, beginning. we had to. We forced our way into that room. Yeah. And so the, 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 the finance guy and the sales ops guy, who was an ex-finance guy, uh, would come up with a plan and then they would throw it over the fence and say, okay, marketing, this is what we're going to do. You guys go figure it out. By that time, you had no opportunity to ask for incremental budget. You, you couldn't focus on what was going to be field marketing versus demand gen. And that's the big change, I think. And you touched upon something really important is get involved in the planning piece of it yeah. and make sure that you guys are all doing that all at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So we got everyone aligned. We got all of our organizations. We have marketing ops. We have sales ops. We have CX ops. Uh, everyone under under the revenue operations umbrella. Uh, the next piece will be process. So what what have you seen? You know, once you have everyone aligned on the people side, and you have everyone singing from the same hymn book, uh, what are some of the processes that you then are able to put in place that you've seen? Anybody can start. <laughs> um, well, I think that gets into the execution of the strategy, right? So yep. how often are you meeting on a regular basis? Um, having the right people in the room for those meetings and not too many people, but just the people that are like the need to be in the meeting. Um, this has been especially difficult, I think during COVID just because everyone's so remote. Um, Meetings, honestly, I, it's not something that I've personally been able to to master, <laughs> and I'm still actively working through it. Um, but I think that's that's the key: is not make meetings not about updates, but make them about collaborating on the goal, right? So everyone can read this report that RevOps built. So everyone can know understand the data going into the meeting, and then just make it actionable. Um, talking about how to actually solve problems moving forward. Yeah. Uh, on the meeting note, uh, I stole this from uh, one of our partners and, and customers we're working with. Uh, she said, no agenda, no attenda. So <laughs> start with the agenda so that you get the attendas. And then uh, on the reporting thing, I think that that's where you should start with the end in mind, where you back out of that to create a lot of those processes and a lot of those plans. So for instance, if I walk into a sales meeting or a planning meeting with the go-to-market team and I show marketing automation reports instead of the revenue reports in Salesforce with the same filters that the sales had, even if it's in Salesforce, but it uses a different set of filters, then there's gonna be darts thrown at it all day long. You might as well not even show up because one data point's different, all of them are different. So uh, uh, that's another thing to focus on, on that alignment going into those planning meetings and those processes is you should have all of that synergy going into it so that you're constructive instead of like discussing why it's different. And it also helps politically if it is RevOps that's producing all of the reporting. Exactly. So nobody comes in with their own report. Sales, you're so smart. Thank you for building this. I'm kidding to my sales here. He's right there. I think for, for, for the insights, the, the analogy I've used for a couple of years is there, there's an app you can download on your phone. It's called Planes Live. And if, if you look at Planes Live on your, on, your, on your iPhone, you can see every single plane in the sky. Like your flight head. radar is the one that I use. Yeah, flight radar. So And you can see... You can click on a little icon of a plane. You can see what the origin was of that plane. You can see what the model is. You can see how fast it was flying. You can see when it's going to land. Everything. Yep. And that's really the analogy for revenue operations is you should be able to see everything from lead to renewal. You should see the the origin. You should see how fast it's flying and you should know when it's going to land. 
and we know in sales sometimes the planes don't land, right? Um, <laughs> but we that that's the idea is so that you can create a, a, a set of intelligence that everyone involved in the process can understand what's happening and they can quickly make decisions about what their options are and how they can accelerate these things happening. Yeah. Now the the thing that I've seen too is you know as so now you know we have people going through the process, right? We have someone starting at the starting as a lead, they make their way through as a as a close one customer. You know, obviously there's a lot of handoffs that occur. So you know, I think, you know, I think part of, part of RevOps is always making sure, hey, marketing, when we have a lead, where did it come from? What, what is the data? What's the context? So that when it gets handed off to an SDR, an SDR knows, you know, what what sales engagement, you know, communication path am I going to put them on? You know, is it is it contextual back to the uh, marketing campaign that it came out of on is the SDR team working with that marketing person to make sure that the, that the messaging is correct. When it gets handed off to an AE, does that SDR, has the SDR updated all the information that they had so when that handoff happens? So again, the, and the whole idea here is the, as, as a customer, if I start by engaging with an SDR and then I get handed off to an AE, I don't feel like I'm starting from square one. Want, Marketing's job is not done once that lead becomes an exactly. opportunity. And that's what's changed, right? You guys are so much more involved in pipeline nurturing and acceleration. That was the only way we were going to get respect is if we took control of the pipeline. Um, and that's absolutely true. That's that's how I goal myself is on pipeline creation. It's not, I don't even use the word leads. I don't like to use that word anymore. And that backs up even just leads. So for instance, different campaign sources are going to have different leads. So if you say, well, you had a 2,000 lead KPI this quarter, did you get it? I'm like, I could get a 2,000 lead KPI hit in two days with right. an email syndication or content syndication right. campaign. But it's all junk. Who cares? Who cares? So you, you, back out of the me 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 metric that matters, like the discovery call and the opportunity creation, so then you can judge the campaigns or gauge the campaigns you need to drive because maybe a 10 lead campaign for a dinner is going to get five opportunities created. And then you can measure things better and then also don't measure on just sales actions. Last time I checked, 100 emails and 100 phone calls a day doesn't make every rep a successful rep. Some are better at different skill sets. Some have more strategic approaches. Find out what works for that person and then have that mold into those metrics that they need instead of just prescribing a blanket KPI for everyone. Now, I've actually redefined the MQL at Groove for my own practice because I feel like the term marketing qualified lead does a disservice to marketing um, because it's not a lead. It's an intent signal. Like if somebody reads a white paper or visits your website, that's an intent signal. Um, and so I define an MQL as a meeting with a member of the buying committee that maps to our ideal customer profile. And then I measured the same way for inbound that outbound is measured, that events are me measured, that referrals are measured, um, and it makes it really clean. You marketing people have become so maniacal about measuring everything. We're tired of being told we're stupid. <laughs> At first, it, it, with, with CRM, it was all about sales measuring pipeline and forecast and all this other stuff. And then marketing automation came along. And you guys, I, I thought like you're a little bit re reluctant. Well, you can't measure what we do. It's all art. There's no science. And then they made this shift and now they measure everything. Everything. Yeah. And I, I was talking to a prospect at a, at a dinner last night and the marketing person came up to me and after and said, hey, when's that going to convert and when's that going to close? <laughs> I'm like, I was having dinner with a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are you're taking all the fun out of this. My AEs, do I have Isseline in the room? 
I don't know. My A's, my A's love our inbounds. It's they so like them. marketing yeah. has flipped the switch yeah. on marketing. Now they're putting they're putting top pressure on us. It's a, it's a defense mechanism. We've been pushed out for so long. It's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like almost like we can we can measure down in the nanosecond, right? But like, what is what is really the meaningful engagements that are causing things to convert into close one sales? Like that that that's like the next piece of it. So I think that that and that kind of goes into my the next next thing I want to talk about was like is technology. Like you know, okay, great, we can manage down in the nanosecond. I want to manage meaningful uh, engagements. You know, what, what is what are some of the technologies that you're seeing in RevOps uh, that helps you accomplish a lot of this, a lot of the processes that we're talking about? Well, I think it all well, there's has. A, there's a we're, here, we're here at Dreamforce, so and like I think it all has to start with having a centralized database that every yeah. team leverages and use. You can't you you can't have sales working out of one system, marketing work marketing working out of another system, and CS working out of another system. That's never going to work. Um, I'll be honest. So no disrespect to anyone from Salesforce. It, Salesforce is not the easiest to use platform, and we all know that. Um, but there's a lot of technologies that can make it significantly easier to use cross-functionally. I think it's critical that Salesforce is the centralized database that every team uses. Um, and then think about your tech stack with within that context. So, like how how strong is the Salesforce integration? Um, you know. Is it going to cause data latency and sync errors? And um, because nothing will destroy a go-to-market organization faster than infighting over like, well, I actually did it. I sent all those emails and calls, but it's well, it's not in Salesforce, so it doesn't exist. Like that, you shouldn't be wasting your time on that. There's, there's, <laughs> you're laughing because it's yeah, that's probably your day to day. Um, so I, that's that would be my recommendation. Yeah. And we focus so much on like the reps experience and making the reps easier and making it better to integrate. Like obviously marketing figured out long ago that you have to just integrate all your platforms. So that was the first question I've asked is, will you integrate to my stack now? Because otherwise, meh, I'm not going to even look at you. So the sales side seems to just be figuring that out now. Lean data here, they the keynote was basically integrations, right? And making that easy. So uh, you should put that in a bag and like say that's, on the table forever. Well, what about the buyer's experience? You need that buyer's experience to remove the friction too. So not only is your solution good for you internally, but is the buyer having a friction, frictionless experience with you all the way through their buying cycle? Or is it kind of clumsy to interact with the rep? Is it clumsy to interact with the CS team? Like, am I getting the information across that I need to in a proactive way instead of a reactive way when you know, something hits the wall, uh, you know, you, let's, let's make it better for them too. And, and don't forget about that. So uh, just leave that out there. I, I could tell you which technologies and vendors I like, and, you know, I'll do that after if anybody wants to, to know, but I, I think that they should focus on the goal, right? And when I, I was in the military in the early 1990s, I was in army intelligence and there was a big war happening in the intelligence community between the, CIA, the, uh, the CIA and the national security uh, agency. So the CIA was feet on the street, interrogating people, spies, and the NSA was all signal intelligence. They were, they were spying on everybody with these big cones that were sitting up in the fields. And uh, the CIA said, we'll never go away. The NSA, you guys are just a blip on the radar. Nothing's ever going to happen. And uh, when Edward Snowden did what he did, they, they released the, the budgets of those two organizations and the NSA now completely overshadows the CIA because these signals that they're able to gather through all these different sources don't lie, but spies do. So wow. within, 
within sales, you, you're really trying to gather intelligence from lead all the way through renewal so that you can make better decisions about what you can possibly do. And the, the technology stack that you should be trying to create is that technology stack that can gather the signal intelligence from all these different sources, compile them, gather them, and serve them back up to the people that need to make the decisions. And it's, it, it used to be geared towards the board of directors and the CEO, but the the rep needs to be the CEO of their own territory. And they require that same level of intelligence so that they can understand what's happening and make better decisions. So I'd say focus on the goal is providing better intelligence to the individuals involved in the process and figure out which tech stack helps you achieve that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've always said the, the foundational thing for me has been data, right? I think, you know, every, every time any of us have gone to an organization where the data is, is kind of messy and it's not clean and you, you don't, maybe you don't have a, an enrichment partner that you're working with, so there's not a way to homogenize everything that you have in your database, it just cascades problems all the way down the organization. So, you know, I've always, I've always made, you know, data quality uh, and cleanliness kind of a my mantra, uh, because I, I don't want to have those cascading problems. I want everyone to know, you know, we're, we're going to make sure that everything's bulletproof. Cause again, like, you know, s- silly examples, but like, you know, someone, someone puts C-A-L-I-F instead of C-A for state, right. And you don't clean it up. And then someone wins a report and they want to see, okay, I want to see all the reports and I want to see all the accounts in California state equals C-A. Well, then they missed the one that somebody put in as CALAF, right? So it's like not if RevOps is building the reports, (laughs) (laughs) right? Exactly. But yeah, and then you have you have these reports with all these long search strings. You got to make sure you cover all the bases. So you know, having that really good, uh, you know, uh, uh, clean database at the front end and making sure everything that comes into your database is 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 matched correctly uh, is is kind of a a a keystone piece for me. Yeah, and. We joke that marketing is measuring everything and we're, we're always like sales is under our thumb now. Uh, but what we're really trying to do, what, how I see it, is we're just trying to take the, the busy work and what we call the hard skills, skills that like a machine could do, and take that busy work off of the plate of the reps so there's more room for the art component that still exists. So if something can be automated, the data is going to be better. The sales rep doesn't have to do it anymore. And maybe it's something you didn't know that could be automated before and could be more efficient so that the things that a machine can't do, like have a very structured value-added conversation, the reps can get better at that instead of spending time getting better at something that we've now discovered a machine can do. I, I and, s- no, go ahead. Well, and how many salespeople do you know that actually like admin work and updating Salesforce? None. Well, I'm still blown away <laughs> that we ask sales reps to update sales stages. Shouldn't we know what the sales stages are based upon all the interactions that have You can before? automate, well, with Groove, you can automatically See? do that. <laughs> Um, well, and the data, I, one more thing I do want to say on that, the data is the foundation and, and you can't, especially as a high growth tech company, like you cannot scale without clean data. Um, and it's hard. Like there's, there's, there are a lot of data providers and they're all good at something. I still haven't found anyone that's like a complete silver bullet. Um, so we use, we have multiple data providers and we just use pieces, of each to, to try and build a best but the, the, the goal is not to provide data to the decision makers because we, we've, done, we've done that, right? We've, we've done descriptive st- statistics where here's a list of different data points and you guys need to read the, uh, the tea leaves and figure out what's happening. Is It goes from descriptive to, per, to prescriptive, or I should say predictive, then prescriptive. Like, yep. hey, here's what's happening and here's what you should do about it. And that, that would be an ultimate goal, I think, for, yep. for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on, on the on the on the data side it's like you know I've always said that the second that something hits the database it's stale 
So it's like you're, you, oh, it's like it's a never, it's a never ending battle to make sure that your data is always uh, current, clean, and updated. Um, but like, okay, so now the data is in the system, um, and we got we got the leads. Um, you know, we hand it off to uh, to the SDR team. What what are some of the table stakes? You know, uh, technology pieces that you have to have for an SDR team today. Kristen, this was your layup. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually not for SDRs. I mean, SDRs can use us, um, but we were built for full cycle sellers. Yes. Um, which is, so we compete with Outreach and Salesloft, if you've heard of Outreach and Salesloft. Um, but we were built for full cycle sellers that don't have SDRs. Um, so you can use this for prospecting, but really we're better in kind of the mid funnel, like, and or more for, like for the farming use case, where you have a book of business that you're responsible for opening, working, closing, expanding. Um, so it's very flexible in that way. Um, I do think every company needs a sales engagement platform. I know that's kind of self-serving. Um, um, I also recommend the gentleman sitting next to me's platform. <laughs> um, but for I, you know, to build on that, um, when we were talking about data, like intent data is critical. Um, you know, just ensuring that they have um, a full picture of the buyer so that they can build stronger relationships and stop spamming because we all know our inboxes are getting overloaded and that is not the best way to prospect. Yeah, yeah, there's there's better way to prospect, so I can touch on that in a second, but I'm curious, uh, who's gone into like a sales meeting of SDRs and said, what do you want more of? Has anyone done that? I entertain you they to want, do that. They want more meetings. Because you're gonna get more meetings, but specifically what lead source do we want to get more of? And a sales leader will say, I want more demo requests. And then I sat and I first, early in my career, I'm like, okay, how do we get more demo requests? SEM, did we do this and that? And, and then now I'm like, wait, you want more people who already told you yes to call when, you want to waste your time with that? <laughs> Sales leader, why are you supporting that? That's going to happen. You want to spend 60% of your day chasing a yes? Just get that yes booked and on the calendar right away so you can actually do the things that an SDR needs to learn and do that you hired them for, like work a strategic account, expand into an account to expand better with, with tools there where you can like multi-thread a deal and go into other departments. Being a really great BANT qualifier on a 30-second call, lead chasing all day long or for half of your day doesn't even make you a good AE. The practices of having those value-added conversations, those are the things that are going to make an a, uh, SDR a successful AE on your inbound team. I've seen so many awesome lead chasers crash and burn on the inside team mm -hmm. and leave the company. It's sad to see that. They just weren't set up for success. So like, with our software, I, a little bit of a plug, but also I think it's just a good best practice because I've done it manually. You can do it manually. You don't need our software for it. But for a demo request, just send them an invite that's tailored. Demo request. You get the notification already through Slack or whatever it be. If someone ghosts you on a call, just send them an invite for a new time. Don't put them back into something where you can, oh, now I guess I can call them 15 times again. Like make it easy for them to engage with you and then use those skills to, to close that deal faster or expand an account better. What have, what have you seen, Dana? For the technology, no, yeah, technology for yeah. SDRs. Like, what, what, what is, what is the? I'm trying to get through. I want to go through every stage yeah. and say, like, what's the hot thing for SDRs? What is the, you know, I want to know, like, because so, I, 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 I see like the the whole talk of world class rev stack. Yeah, right? and then, and it's like we don't want to go with one vendor. We want to buy the best of breed. What's out there? So like today, like, what are the things that you're seeing? You know, what, what is the one cool 
let's say cool, but like table stakes thing that you have to have for a really successful like SDR team. When, when I was in uh, leading the analyst group, the the two that I was talking to a lot were Sales Loft and also yeah. Without Reach, and one of them provided asynchronous timing when it came to having conversations with uh, prospects. Mm. And I like this idea of asynchronicity because. You, if, if you get too formulaic, like, hey, if they do this, then you do that. If you do this, then they do that. You can't always predict what they're going to do. Yeah. So they, they, they were serving up rhythms that would adapt to the changes in the cycles of the prospect. Uh. So I, I thought, I think you don't want to be too prescriptive in what you're trying to do. Also give them the ability to learn, you know, the A-B testing that, that happens. So a technology that's going to allow them enough flexibility to adapt themselves to the situation but also that's going to serve up enough recommendations so that they have options. So they don't have to think about too many options. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've, I've always tried to go in and like, you know, you want to, uh, uh, SDRs are great. You know, they love to go in. They love to, they love to do research. They want to make sure they go to LinkedIn. They want to find, they want to learn everything about them. They want to personalize every email, you know? So like I, I have always tried to find things that, that help them, you know, help automate that as much as possible so that I can serve them up, you know, those, 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 uh, you know, activities for them to take action on, uh, in a way that they understand the context of why it was given to them, uh, with as little, uh, you know, research on their part that they need to do. Like it's all there, it's all visible for them to see, uh, so that it can make their day operate a lot more smoothly. I, I think with some of these technologies, we run the risk of micromanaging everything to the nth degree and SDRs and salespeople, especially and salespeople did not get into sales because they wanted to be micromanaged. Yeah. And a lot of these technologies were developed by people like me, operations people who thought that sales needed help and they're yeah. just, they're begging <laughs> us to stop helping them. Right. So we, we need to provide them enough autonomy, but guidance at the same time and allow them to execute in the way that they need to. So I think those were the characteristics yeah. I'd be looking for. And I think in, in, in enabling SDRs too, you want to, you want, because a lot of times, you know, SDRs is really the, the first role out of college is their first sales job, you know, and, and providing them as much enablement as person, you know, as possible, having having like a really good world class, like, hey, these are the steps you're going to need to do to be successful. We know they work. Um, you know, you're you're, you're you're open to iterate on them, but we really believe if you do these things, you're going to be successful. You're going to get the meetings. You know, the meetings are turned into deals that close, and that's what you want to see. I agree. Just serve up a set of principles and let them follow. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we like to give them a framework. Yeah, you know, so it's not just it's not you don't want to turn them into a robot because then they don't learn anything. But if you give them a framework that they can think through, it's a lot more effective and it sets them up to be a better AE. Yeah. What are some of the things, so like on the, so like, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, as I'm saying these things, like what are the things that I've seen technology wise that's out there? You know, I think there's, there's, there's even technologies we put in now um, that, that guide them through learning the technology that they have. So I think there's like, there's Chrome extensions I've seen where, you know, um, an, an enablement team can write, you know, this is how you use this tool. You know, when you're in this step, here's what you do next. And it can live on any part of the platform that you're using to be able to give that guidance and enablement to, to the AE or the SDR or the CSM as, as they're taking those actions day to day in the different platforms that they're in. And I think that, that that's another area that I think has been really helpful for, for, for us. In the keynote this morning, Tiffany talked about sales training. I know that maybe that is something that we've lost touch with. Like one of the things that stood out to me early in my career Every job I went to, I either did Miller Hyman or the Challenger or customer centric selling training. I did these extensive boot camps. And now I'm like, well, some of our newer reps just aren't following the basics. And then I think about it, I'm like, they've probably never been taught 
the basics. Yeah. Like getting back to that, not alone just with your process and your dailies, um, and, and doing that's fine, uh, but understanding the why you're doing those things. When I first learned marketing automation, it was on like a primo because Eloqua was too small for us to buy when I was at United Health Group. And uh, I, I joke that I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know why I was doing that for like six months. I just was told, do it this way. And I feel like if you do that with an SDR, it's even more catastrophic because it's more volatile in those engagements where when you're just building out automation like we do, uh, it, it's a little bit more straightforward. So enabling the team from the ops side to have access to uh, more training as to why they're doing what they're doing for you, like enter this field, well, why do I have to do that? Can't you automate it? Well, not yet, but we need it because XYZ will benefit you in the future if you do. Oh, okay, that, that makes sense. And then maybe they come to you later on and say, hey, I found out that if I do this, it doesn't have to, I don't have to do it anymore, and you get it. So that's part of that planning thing too, and that cohesiveness of ops should be in those planning meetings with the sales and marketing team to even see those gaps, let alone figure out how to fix them. Yeah. So like, um, so on the sales process side, so like, I know there's like a lot of different, you know, Sandler, there's MedPick, there's all these different processes. So, you know, once, once something moves into the funnel and, and now we have an open opportunity, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you have seen that work well, uh, to help guide sellers, uh, through moving deals, uh, uh, through the stages of a, of a sales process? I think well, some of the forecasting solutions that are out there right now, and they're doing activity capture. So they're they're integrating in with a meeting client, they're integrating in with the uh, yeah. e, um, email client, email. and they're doing some conversational intelligence, and they're helping with opportunity scoring, and they're they're coaching the rep based upon what the AI is able to detect and see. I think that's pretty useful to them. Um, Again, you know, the dark side to that is that somebody's just going to use that information to, to say, why are you going after this opportunity? It's only got a, a score of 20 out of 100. But the rep says, look, I got a good feeling about this one. <laughs> you, 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 need to, you need to allow enough flexibility for them to, right. be able to exercise some of their own judgment. But I, I do think that that's very useful to have some of that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we did, we, we did take a, a technology uh, that does that, that sits on the mail server, looks at all the communication of the emails, of the meetings, and says, you know, here's the score of this individual. Uh, here's the score of the aggregate of the people with this account. Here the score, uh, here's an aggregate score of the people that are uh, associated with this opportunity. And and uh, I have a data analytics guy uh, at, at, at Lean Data. Um, and we sat down, we said, how can we take this information on the opportunity and present it in a way to managers that'll actually show them, you know, the deal is on track or the deal's not on track. And, and we actually went through and we analyzed uh, every new opportunity, every upsell opportunity, and every renewal opportunity at every uh, stage, stage one to five, and for each of our segments. And we actually developed, uh, like, okay, what is the ratio? How, what is the average number of days that it should be in this stage? How, you know, what, 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 so, and then we would measure it against the real opportunity. So if something was sitting at, you know, stage three, that was an upsell uh, for a mid-market segment, um, and to be a closed one, the ideal closed one opportunity would stay at that stage for 10 days, and this would have been at the stage for 30 days, that's not good. Yeah, and, it helps them see reality. Exactly. Using data. And then we gave that, and we gave a color code against that. Yeah. So now we can go red, yellow, green. 
Right. right? If it's green, we know it's going to close. Yeah. If it's yellow or red, we have a problem. And that score changes and the, and the light light color changes every day. Um, and so like when we present those in our dashboards and our reports, our, our sales managers love that information uh, because we've now taken all of that data together and said, look, we know that this, we know that the uh, ideal, uh, uh, an ideal opportunity behaves in this way to turn into a close one deal. And this is how you're, uh, your opportunity is acting against it, and and being able to provide that has been has been has been a great thing that I think our sounds our like you're love. describing Clary. What's that? <laughs> Are you describing Clary? I, it's kind of it, well, okay. So we have Clary. Okay, I love Clary. Um, uh, but there's there are things that we bring in about the behavior of our opportunities that I think Clary was missing for that score, uh, where we've got we've got it fine tuned to our own data now. Um, so we still use Clary. Don't get me wrong, uh, Clary's great. It's a forecasting platform that 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 I mean we 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 live and die by. Um, but for the actual health and and predictability of whether something's going to close or not, um, I think we built a better mousetrap internally for ourselves. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, we use we use Clary for forecasting and deal reviews. Um, yep. When it has a lot of that color coding, we think it's great. Um, and then uh, we also have a platform called Spaces that managers can use in those one-on-ones using live Salesforce data. So you can like pull columns in and um, see pull data directly from Salesforce, and then when you update it, it instantly writes to Salesforce. Um, that's also, or you can assign tasks like your SDR, or if you're a manager, you can assign it to your AE. Um, that's super helpful um, because back to the process, you do need to be meeting on a regular basis and um, talking through deal health. Don't, never assume. Never assume that anything is is going the way that you think it's going. Assuming is death, basically, because it never it never happens. Uh, our director of demand, Jen Abby, and I had a session yesterday about forecasting and how to do better top of funnel forecasting, and it starts with better demand, Jen. So we basically suggest breaking out each lead source separately because each one is going to have a different conversion rate to the whole point of the leads KPI being irrelevant now. So we know that it'll be a lead to a meeting at 15% for a webinar and then 50% of those meetings turn into an op. And then you can say, all right, the sales team is doing what you were talking about each stage in the sales cycle. So now what you can say is, all right, I have this much budget to do these campaigns. Let's spend the money on the campaigns that get us the ops and get us the meetings for each one. So now you can be incredibly as accurate as the sales team is on forecasting when you break down those two touch points by lead source instead of just having a vanilla average lead source or not lead source, a vanilla average conversion rate for your maybe one stage. If you just separate it once and then look at each lead source, you're going to be more, not only more accurate, but you're going to be able to be more confident in what you can provide to sales with your budget. Uh, and, and working with your demand gen team will like elevate your importance to the demand gen team as an ops leader. So instead of them telling you, I want this report, you get to say, actually, you're not going to hit your goal because look at what this breakdown shows. Mm. Interesting. Um, what the last one uh, on the CSM side. So now we got to close one deal. Um, you know, we've handed it off to the CSM team. Uh, what areas do you see that the revenue operations team is helping uh, with CSMs? What is it? What are the technologies that you see that are that are giving you the most success there? Like I know we use we use Gainsight, um, and that and that's a great platform. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are as well. We just implemented task ray for the handoff process. Um, I can't speak to it, but I know we our implementation team uses it. Um, 
to answer your question directly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but I know we we're using that now. For so you're talking about like renewals across sales like with the comment. Just the handoff, right? It's the like the handoff from the handoff sales to CS. Like, like if if we if we envision that you know customer success operations lives under revenue operations and we want to make sure that we're doing all the right things yeah. for the customer success team, you know, what what is the technology there that, that's providing you the best uh, I mean results? we also just our team takes extensive notes. Like that's one of the things you can do in Groove. You you can you have this omnibar that follows you everywhere you're working on the web and you can just type notes and it instantly writes to Salesforce. So it's all there. Okay. Um, and that helps tremendously with the handoff. Um, but for, for in historically like process wise I think it's critically important to have an internal meeting like when it gets into trial or like you're about it's about to enter like negotiation stage you set up a meeting with the CSM you internally them brief early. them yeah, you yeah, make yeah. sure that they have all the information you yep. need then you have another call with the client where there's a deck that you take them you take the client through you're like this is what I heard they and the CSM are both on the call um, the CSM then takes that and starts measuring against what like the expectations that were set? Um, they define the co-define the KPIs that are going to measure success, and they report on that in their monthly check-ins. Yeah, yeah, and and that's for like a smooth onboarding process is absolutely crucial. You have to have that, and then once they become a customer, there's opportunities for expansion where you can cross-sell products or even the renewals and QBR motion. Uh, you can have triggers set for that because in SDR you're like well. You're, you're, you're like hired to go lead chase. You're hired to do calls and emails. The CSM, the last thing they want to do is talk about cross-sell, upsell, renewal when they just like close three trouble tickets. And good luck getting them to do anything. And the last thing the customer wants is a new SDR engagement. Exactly. So there's ways where you can trigger an invite. Through our platform, you can just trigger the invite to go out based on time mechanisms or just create a task and have the CSM do it. And then they just send an invite to them for the renewal meeting based on a date trigger. Uh, and then for cross-sell upsell, that's actually pretty difficult. I would have a hard time talking about an upsell as a CSM when I'm trying to like not be a salesperson. Uh, at an AISP conference I went to, uh, everyone who had put a revenue metric on a CSM said it deteriorated the relationship immediately. So to not do that, you could trigger a campaign against them uh, through several means, but then if the action is to schedule a meeting, then the CSM just has those prompted discussions for them from people who want that discussion. And you're going to be able to do that busy work. That's just task work and have the, those bubble up to the top for easier expansion and renewals. We actually split it out. We don't have our CSM sell at all. Like their only job is to make the customer successful. Um, and somebody else has the sales conversation. Yeah. Can I, I just want to talk for a second about the revenue operations profession and what, where Absolutely. I see the future is because I, I see a lot. Where's it going? Of, yeah, I, I see. I'm assuming that almost everybody in here has comes from an operations background, and this profession, the, the individuals that are in this profession, are in such high demand yeah. today that you, if you're good at what you do, you can pretty much name your price. Yep. And you can choose the company that you want to work for and you can choose what it is that you want to do. And I just think that that's such a wonderful spot for so many people to be in. And I would say, don't, don't get so nervous about all these things that you're hearing about layoffs. I know they're real and I know people have been affected by it. Yeah. But 
it's going to be okay. And like this is, we're going to go through a little bit of a cycle here. But if you're one of the ones that are out there that are just doing an exceptional job at what you do, you you now have the option not just to stay in sales operations or marketing operations or CX operations. You can go across the entire function yep. and you can get up there and lead those functions today. So I, I've never been more encouraged. Absolutely. The, some, and again, one of the paths for that, I mean, if you find yourself in a situation, you know, if you are getting laid off, there's some great RevOps communities, you know, there's OpStars, uh, there's there's Modern Sales Pros, there's Pavilion, there's RevOps uh, RevOps Co-op, there's Sales Assembly. What's that? Sales Assembly out of Chicago. Sales Assembly is another one. Uh, Wizard of Ops. I, I I ran into somebody. I don't know if she's here. Erica, are you Erica Hoyle? Yeah. Okay. I have a great story with Erica. Okay. Erica and I, it was like just a few months ago, ran into each other at an event and she's like, yeah, I just lost my job. And I'm like, well, wait, I, I know you through modern sales pros. I'm like, have you reached out to the, to the, you know, jobs channel and, and, and just put yourself out there. She's like, no, I didn't even know there was one. Um, and she actually did that. And, got her current uh, position through that, through that, congratulations through that channel. So it's like, you know, there, there's a lot of ways for you to, to make yourself known and available. Uh, and the communities that are out there for RevOps, they're plentiful, be a part of them, participate, make yourself known, make people know what you're doing and, and, and make yourself available. And know, know your worth. You're worth at least as much as a rep. Exactly. <laughs> and if you're leading the function, you're worth as much as the top rep. Yeah. And a hold to that because you will get that. Yeah. Yep. I would just say to differentiate yourself too. Even if your organization doesn't enter in those planning stages with the ops involved at the table, that doesn't mean you don't have to go and interview the demand gen leader, interview the sales leader, or just meet with them and take them out to lunch or a coffee if you're in a good proximity and just learn from them so that when you do take the next interview then, or reach out to someone if you uh, unfortunately are let go, then in that interview, you can speak the language of these other people and show that you know the this whole cohesive thing instead of just like, I'm like level 8,000 uh, admin certification. <laughs> well, so is all the other applicants, but you told the story of the flow and I think you could fix our problems because of that. Great advice. Well, I think that's it. I think that's our, our time is up. So uh, thanks again, everyone for joining us. Uh, thank you for all of our thank panelists. You. Thank you. It's good to have you. The OpStars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for OpStars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at OpStars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.